Hi, I'm Laura Ponticello, and this is the Writer's Creative Journey Podcast. Once a month, I will talk with best-selling, award-winning authors, songwriters, and creative types about their own unique writing process. Today, we are live in the Divine Phoenix Studio talking about creativity, and I'd like to welcome our podcast guest, Amazon best-selling author and award-winning author, Mark Coleman. Mark is a recognized voice, business advisor, author, and consultant on the convergence of sustainability, environmental stewardship, energy, technology, and innovation. Mark actively writes for the Huffington Post, and I am so honored to have him here today. Welcome, Mark. Thank you so much, Laura, and let me extend the honor is all mine. It's a real privilege to talk with you here this morning. Yeah, I'm, I love talking about creativity, and I think in talking about creativity, it's very exciting to learn about other people and how they publish their books and what opened up within them to make them not only write a book, how they connected with their own personal voice. So with that said, you're an author of two very different books. What served as the impotence for you to even want to write a book? You know, it started really from an early age. I always had an affinity for writing and using writing as a medium to express myself. I didn't know that I wanted to necessarily write a book um, you know, right out of the gate, I call it earlier in life, I thought it was something that I would do as I was uh, maturing and getting older and being more reflective of my life and personally and professionally. But, you know, back in the early 2000s, I was working as a practitioner in sustainability. I'd worked in government. I had worked in business and management consulting organizations. I had worked in applied research and academia. And I was beginning to see sustainability from many different points of view during that time, I also had the pleasure to work under the mentorship of management consultants and other authors, uh, Bruce Piasecki in particular. I know that you and I have talked about Bruce in our past, um, but I had the opportunity to do a great deal of blogging, a great deal of research, and a great deal of cultivating my own voice through writing. And during that process, I think I was maturing, not knowing that it may lead to uh, my own subject matter and my own book at one point. Um, but you know, after my first son was born in 2008, um, there was something going on in my brain, you know, a, a collective consciousness that was coming together uh, that really wanted to get a new story out about sustainability. I had seen that there was a void from my a personal opinion and that void being too often we were uh, as a generalization within society and in consumers and citizens pointing the finger at big business or big government um, in the context of what was going wrong in the world. And very seldomly did we point the finger back at ourselves and really look within who we are as individuals and say, what can we do about it? How can we become more accountable to what's going on in the world and have a voice and really get that out there? So the social context, the social side of sustainability was something that was very passionate within me. And that seeing the birth of my son, I think, was an inflection point, something new and enriching to my wife and our life that really brought something out in the medium of a book uh, uh, at that time. So in 2012, about four years after my first son was born, and I should reference my second son was born in 2010, um, the first book was born. 
so it really did feel like that as well, a birth, but in a very good way. Uh, the process was great in getting to it. Um, but per your question, it was really um, a deliberate and uh, uh, defined exercise in the discipline of writing some blogs that ultimately led into uh, uh, the compiled work. I like the concept that you just shared of birthing a book. So when we look at sort of creation, we, we have these ideas and you reference that blogging and, and writing, whether it was for you know magazines or, or online, allowed you to really start sharing your viewpoints on sustainability. So around the topic of sort of unearthing, and unearthing for me is like opening up something within ourselves. And it's funny because Ernest Hemingway said, just write one true sentence. And many times what happens in the work that I do, which is also teaching, uh, you know, creativity to other people who want to write, I say, okay, just start with like one sentence, start with one thing you're passionate about. So I'll, I, I love this idea of birthing a book. In, in my case, I, my first book, which was um, Live the Life of Your Dreams, I didn't necessarily set out to write a book. I traveled across the country. I had some international experiences and I did a lot of journal writing. So what happened is I started seeing commonalities in, in the fact that we are more common than our differences. And then I started interviewing women around what inspired them in their daily life. Because I kind of felt like, oh, I don't want this just the world according to Laura. I want this to be, you know, what other people are doing in their everyday life to live a healthy life. And so it took about seven years of these journal writings that just sort of happened. And then one day I was like, wow, I just felt something within myself, very much like your maturation process of, okay, now is the time. And I also was blogging and sharing different content. So the process took me actually 13 months to write the book. But if I was to look at it in total, it was seven years. So this brings me to what really gave you the courage to make that shift to say, okay, I've been blogging, I'm the subject matter expert on sustainability. Now is the time to share my voice in a different medium. That's a great question. And, and you know, I share a similar experience because the both books were around a 12 to 18 month process for both in terms of actually making the deliberate decision to write the book and get the content in order and finesse it and work with editors and work with the publisher and work with colleagues such as yourself on both books, for example, um, to actually get them out there. But you're right on that. It was a sequence of a number of years and experiences um, in writing and research in probing and contacting colleagues and doing interviews with, in the case of the sustainability generation, everyone from small to large corporations to leaders in government to everyday citizens and consumers as part of the body of knowledge for me to get to that point. I think the courage really came from um, my colleagues, my mentors, my peers who said, you know, there's a voice inside you. You have a interesting point of view and you have a voice that comes out in your writing that you know, is natural and perhaps it's a great way for you to uh, tell that story. And so I felt empowered by those 
in a sense, that came before me as authors and those, even including yourself. I remember when we sat down uh, in Skinny Atlas and we had a conversation around the sustainability generation and having that empowerment amongst our peers to help push us over that line and say, do we think there's a book here? Is this something that I really want to do? Is this the medium I want to express myself in? And I think that's where um, that empowerment came from, is knowing um, in good faith that others saw that value in yourself and that it helped you mature, my, in my case, my writing and get it into a physical form, a physical product, uh, and, and a, a compendium, if you will, of uh, knowledge and information to share. Mark's best-selling title is called The Sustainability Generation, and I personally was extremely enthralled and inspired by your book. I think for me, the reason being is I would classify it as a new thought book, and there's something in particular that stood out to me that I want to um, bring to light. Okay. So you say that survival of the fittest, Darwin says sustainability is evolution. This all sounds reasonable, right? And you're going to tell me that the economy is broken and your company is in survival mode. Mark, I'd love to hear your thoughts on why sustainability is evolution. It is evolution. Thank you for bringing that particular context out of the book. And, in, and as a point of view, the interesting thing about writing is that your mind also evolves as well as your writing as we publish these um, uh, works, you know, across time. And one of the things I've realized, you know, in the past few years is that sustainability, as I went out and talked about the book and I got before a lot of audiences, they would ask me similar questions. And sustainability is a tough word because it's shrouded in a lot of different meaning. It evokes a great deal of emotion, different constituencies, different stakeholders, different people. It's a complex subject matter. And so trying to boil it down into salient points that are actionable in anyone's life is very difficult to do. And I love the ability to get out and actually use my voice, not just the writing, to communicate this notion of sustainability, survival, and also thriving. So for me in the past few years, what I've seen the difference in the sustainability element has been that sustainability has often been viewed as that survival necessity, the idea that let's not live without beyond our means. Let's make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. I think that is the baseline, but it's also somewhat grounded within a deficit-driven mentality, the idea that resources are limited. They are, and that's important for us to always bear in mind. But part of what I've seen in the evolution of sustainability and in humanity in the past few years when it's working at its best is that we don't just think about the context of survival, but we think about what we can all do to thrive. And the idea that it's a opportunistic and in a world full of abundance. And the abundance comes from our spirit, our innovation, our ability to adapt and succeed even in the face of the most challenging times. And so for me, and what I've seen in all the circles that I've worked in the past few years, again, government and business and consumers and citizens and the convergence of those on some complex social and environmental challenges that we're facing right now, it's restructuring our DNA and our internal code to think about the world differently, one that's more opportunistic, one that has a higher plane by which we can all reach if we view it more of how we can thrive together in, a, in more of a collective consciousness of how we view the world, not one that has limiting beliefs, 
not one that has limiting factors that hold us back, but one that holds up the dignity of individuals and humanity in such a way that we empower each other to achieve things we never thought possible. So sustainability is often viewed from that context of environmental factors and a deficit-driven notion around resource limitation. Do we have enough oil? Do we have enough fresh water? Do we have enough clean air? And all those things hold true. But the context I always position back to citizens or companies or governments is not how much clean air, clean water do we have, but how can we influence our behaviors, our industry, the context in which we interface with each other in such a way that we're optimizing our intelligence so that we don't have to solve for those challenges anymore. We now have the intellect to, to do that. We can break the DNA code, right? But for some reason, we can't necessarily solve poverty. You know, we can go out and fly a mission to Mars, but for some reason, we can't necessarily, um, you know, uh, clean up a brownfield site, you know, in, in inner city Detroit. You know, these are complex things using technology that we can do today, but it's where we put our time, our emphasis, our resources, our priorities. And I think that's the abundance that we have and that we need to wield as a power going forward under the umbrella of sustainability. That's a great answer. Um, two things stood out to me. One, in the spirit of creativity, creativity, there are no limitations. What that means is that once we open up something within ourselves to share our message, and many times in the fluidity of the writing process, right, because that's a journey, uh, things come out that we never expected were within us, right? Right. And then the role of the editor is to then say, okay, you know, these are some things you might want to consider, tweak, edit, etc. So the limit limitlessness of creativity and the fact that once we open up that voice within ourselves, it could go anywhere. It could go into a song, it could go into a story, it could go into a newspaper article, it could go into a vibration of collective consciousness. The next thing you spoke about is in the evolution process of what I consider expansion energy, meaning that we start at a certain place, but we expand, we grow, which brings me to the next question. Um, as an award-winning author and winning the Axiom Business Award for the Time to Trust, was your creative process different from writing your first book for your second book? That's a great question. Yeah, and, and um, it was different. And it was also a book that I'd never expected to come two years after the publication of The Sustainability Generation. So with uh, the 2012 release of The Sustainability Generation, Time to Trust came out in 2014. And what the process for that was similar in the sense that there was a passion. There was something that was evoked in me. I was going out and I was talking about the sustainability generation before a lot of different audiences. I was getting a lot of and fielding a lot of great questions from a lot of different stakeholders. And it was stimulating a, a resurgence of thinking within me. It was refining my argument, uh, my narrative, the story that I was trying to tell with the sustainability generation. And what I was discovering, Laura, as I went to all these different audiences was that there was this dissolution of trust occurring, whether it was in religion, whether it was in media, whether it was in government or business, 
society was really looking at the foundations of some of these long-standing institutions that we've upheld for years and demonstrating a, a severe distrust of them, of the leadership of those institutions, of the institutions themselves. And it really sent a wave through me because I thought to myself, how can we ever achieve a more sustainable future on the back of a society that's really grown disillusioned with the ways of the world? The fact that we don't trust our neighbor anymore, the fact that we may not even trust uh, the people who are most near and dear to us, uh, the fact that we can't trust our banking or financial institutions. These things were eroding from under our feet and it really kind of empowered me to take a look, just like I did with the sustainability generation, what might be the root cause of that distrust? What might be the elements that are really shaking the core of humanity right now? Because if we can't solve for that, if we can't reach across the proverbial aisle, make amends and really move ourselves forward uh, as trust stewards, where does that leave humanity and how can we ever move forward? So with that as a backdrop in terms of the passion, what I was seeing, I really went into the second book around a framework of not writing a book, but can I deconstruct that, that issue and make sense of it? So what I did is I storyboarded it. Um, it was a totally different process where book one was really about blogging and research and getting out and talking to people. Um, book two was very much the same in terms of talking with people and understanding the, uh, the, the core issue, uh, but it was putting it out in graphics, putting it out in mental models and frameworks and to try and understand trust and society and government and business and individual behaviors. And I thought to myself, if I could storyboard out in my mind what I was thinking as the you know, context to time to trust, from there, maybe I'll start blogging again and maybe I'll start some writing and we'll see what comes of it. So I didn't start the process deliberately wanting to write a book. I spent a summer really framing the issue out, talking with others, collecting more data, more information, beginning a few blogs. So in that way, it was similar to book one. Uh, but ultimately, I had a sequence of like 20 or 30 visuals, and they presented a mental roadmap for me to, to base a lot of writing on. And from that, uh, Time to Trust was born. So it was a very different exercise in that way. It was much more visual, much more graphic, and much more in the now with regards to the analysis of information of how it propagated. It's so interesting to me because much like your experience in writing my second book, it was a totally different process. Um, I was a different person uh, by the time I had finished uh, my first book. And when we produced that in audio form and that came out, and I was and I was narrating uh, the audio book. I didn't even recognize who I was. It's like I w it was like a shell of myself because I had evolved and changed greatly, and something inside of me had 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 a restlessness. So this restlessness of okay, I've gotten out much like you. I've been speaking to the people, doing signings, etc. So every Sunday, right after I meditated, I would send a email to myself on different topics. I guess my own online journal, uh, the book was called The Art of Self-Transformation. And again, it was like that 13 month process, something inside of me just knew that I was done. And I almost, instead of having the mental picture, which I love that each person's journey is so uniquely different, even though I think there's common elements, 
I printed out everything that I had written, gave it to a copy editor. I actually had two different copy editors, and I knew at that point it absolutely would become a book. And it's interesting as I'm starting the process of writing my third book, again, the woman who began the process of the first book has evolved, changed, she's rebirthed herself. And I think when we talk about books and the creative process or storytelling, I think sometimes we're, we're telling the story that's within us. And so I'm curious, do you see yourself as a storyteller? I do. And I think everyone has a story. Everyone has a narrative. And I think there's different mediums by which we express that narrative within our lives. And, and by the way, I'm a firm believer that that narrative is something that we all need to own. There's um, a faction of people in life that I think believe life happens to them as opposed to being the stewards of their narrative and going out and really understanding that change happens. Change is real. It's all around us. That's the movement of the universe. That's the movement of nature. That's the movement of, of, of mankind. And so the idea that we need to accept change, adapt, and own it is something that I'm a firm believer in. And, and by the way, it takes a, a careful mind on a daily basis to think about change and be the steward of your narrative. Uh, but I think there's an element of book writing and whatever medium one may choose to express themselves that's a part of that. But the more that we own that narrative, I think the more that we can have a sense of um, you know, influence within our life to a greater good. And that's something that I, I try to be very aware of. By the way, I wanted to reflect on your point um, regarding your process, because often people will ask me, well, how did you write two books? And of course, there's a deliberate process, but there was something that you said that resonated with me. I often find myself, myself when I'm looking back over the course of the two books that were published, these moments that you're alone, you know, whether you're meditating, oftentimes because I drive a lot for, for business and, and whatnot, um, you know, I may just be driving quietly and listening to my mind and I'll find myself writing the book, not knowing it. But in reflection of the past, I realized what I was doing, but it wasn't necessarily a, a deliberate activity. It was something, like you said, it's something inside you that has to come out. You're not sure why or what form, when or how. But the mind is already churning it and beginning to get there. People often ask me, in fact, I just had this uh, happen in the past 24 hours uh, where a gentleman who's known me for a long time said, are you working on another book? And I said, not yet. And there was part of me that felt, you know, kind of crushed because should I be? Do you want me to be? I love that they think of me as an author and they've bought the books and they appreciate the stories and they really like them. That's exciting. But then there's part of me that knows the time isn't right yet because the very fact that I'm saying no to the gentleman, uh, that there's something brewing, but it's not there yet because I haven't yet felt that complete conviction that I recognized in my mind uh, over the last two books. So I think at some point, you know, as you recognize within yourself, the third book for you is coming, which is terrific and is uh, amazing to hear. And I can't wait to see what comes out because the past two have been excellent. And, um, but in my case, you know, it's, uh, you know when it's happening, you know, now, now at this end of it, you know, I'm having published a couple of titles. I like what Mark said about storytelling. We each do have a story within us and the intention of really uh, these podcasts are to not only encourage others to tell the story within, to say that we all have a voice. Mark talked about that authentic voice, whether you're in your community whether it's your church congregation, whether it's your school, 
we're encouraging you in whatever way in, in your consciousness and what feels right to you to share your voice, especially, um, you know, given kind of the state of affairs that are occurring. I was so honored to have Mark give me the forward on my last book because I think you have a perspective that we are one humanity. We are here to evolve, to help each other, and creativity can be the pathway to do that. So with that, Mark, tell us, how can people find out more about you? Thanks, Laura. People can find me at thesustainabilitygeneration.com or timetotrustbook.com and also on Twitter at The SustainGen. Great. You can learn more about me at lauraponicello.com and our books at divinephoenixbooks.com. You also can find our podcasts and we would appreciate you rating and reviewing them so more people can find it easier to connect with us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And thanks for everybody for listening.